I probably shouldn't drink while we're recording. This is the test run. Who cares? I'm literally sucking on icebreakers, so. Silence. Good to see you're sucking on something. I hate you. Hello, and welcome to Young Adult Adult Reviews, where two young-ish adults review books meant for much younger adults. Or children. I'm Chloe. And I'm Honor, and this week we are discussing the Folk of the Air trilogy by Holly Black, and if you haven't read it yet, here's the spoiler warning. Uh, We're going to include a content warning in this episode for bullying and general violence. Love to see it. (laughs) Let's get into it. So the first book, The Cruel Prince, starts out with our main character, Jude Duarte, who is whisked away to fairyland with her sisters at the age of seven after her parents were murdered by her mother's fairy (laughs) ex-husband. That's a lot of baggage. Ten years later, she is being raised along the fairy gentry as the adopted daughter of Maddox, the high general to the crown and murderer of her parents. But living along the gentry as a mortal isn't easy. Jude and her sister Taryn are bullied every day in their classes, and the worst of all is Prince Cardin, the youngest heir to the throne of the High King. He is so fucking mean. But Jude never backs down without a fight, and aims to pledge herself as a knight by proving herself in the tournament. She fights really good, but it isn't enough. To add insult to injury, Cardin humiliates her after the fight. Later at home, Prince Dane, the favorite pick for the next High King, appears to Jude. He says he doesn't want her as a knight, but he does want her as a spy. She's really cutthroat, so she's excited for this opportunity. He offers her a boon if she accepts, and Jude says she wants to be immune to glamour. Dane accepts, and Jude joins his court of shadows and starts to sniff out treason. She starts by spying on Belkin, the oldest heir to the throne. She goes to his house and sees him beating Cardin with a belt. Of course, he has a bad home life. That's why he's so mean. Also happening at the same time, Locke, Cardin's friend, is two-timing Jude and her twin sister, Taryn. Too late, Jude realizes that Maddox is involved in a coup. At Dane's coronation, Maddox and Belkin kill everyone who could be a successor to the crown except for Cardin. Jude kidnaps him while she figures out what to do, and they talk about how they hate each other. Like, seriously, so much. They even kiss to prove it. I can't believe you put the kiss in there and you didn't get the she finds him under a table and then drags him out to kidnap him and puts a knife against his throat moment. (sighs) Well, I guess we can add that in. (laughs) Have I taught you nothing? (laughs) It's important. Jude slowly pieces together a conspiracy where Dane sired a child with his father's consort, who he ordered killed to cover it up. Jude's foster mother, Oriana, cut the child from her belly and raised him as her own. Oak, Jude's adopted brother. The crown can only be given by blood to blood, so Jude orchestrates a ruse to get Cardin to swear fealty to her for a year and a day, and tricks him into becoming the High King until Oak is of age. The second book, The Wicked King, starts five months into her year-long agreement with Cardin. Jude serves as essential and tries to work out how she is going to prevent inevitable war. Cardin is stepping into his role as High King more than she ever thought he would. Jude is worried that he won't step down when the time comes. Cardin and Jude have a super aggressive partnership, so aggressive, in fact, that they fuck just to get it out of their systems. Yeah, whatever. At Taryn's wedding to Locke, Jude gets kidnapped by the Undersea and Balekin. To her surprise, Cardin has negotiated an agreement for her release in less than a month. Belkin thinks that Jude is being glamoured, unaware of her resistance thanks to Dane, and tries to frame her for poisoning Cardin as he has compelled her to do. 
Jude leaves a delirious Cardin to deal with that with her sword and she kills Balekin. But upon returning to Cardin, she finds that Taryn has tricked him in his delirium and poses Jude to tell him to hand over his forces to Maddox. Jude is confused. She said nothing to compel Cardin to do that, but Cardin did it simply because he trusts her. Trying to recoup, Cardin implores Jude to release him from her control on him in exchange for becoming the High Queen of Elfheim. Jude accepts, but her victory is short-lived. Queen Orla of the Undersea is pissed that Belkin is dead. Jude, when asked by Cardin, admits she did it. Cardin exiles her to the mortal realm, only allowing her to come back unless excused by the crown. In book three, Jude is bumming around the mortal realm with her oldest fae sister, Vivi. Taryn shows up at her apartment, telling Jude that she needs her to take her place. She has killed Locke, and there is going to be a trial where she will be forced to tell the truth about it. Jude does so. Cardin finds an excuse to pull her aside and tells her that she can't fool him, and he wonders why she's been away for so long. Jude is furious with him, but can't quite take it out on him yet. Maddox has arrived with his forces to rescue Taryn, and Jude is whisked away to the Court of Teeth. Jude keeps up the Terran charade for way longer than she's comfortable with, but is awoken one night by Cardin. He's come to save her. In her escape attempt, Maddox mortally wounds her, but she is healed by the land. Jude returns to Elfheim and reunites with Cardin as his queen, after getting shot out of the rafters suspected on being an assassin. Oops. Uh, when she awakes, Cardin explains that Jude could have come back any time she wanted. The terms were until she was excused by the crown. Their marriage made her a queen. So Jude feels kind of dumb. Kind of. Just a little. <laughs> Maddox offers to parlay with Cardin to try and goad him into a duel, but Cardin says, fuck you, and breaks the blood crown in half. This causes him to turn into a giant snake that brings ruination to the land. All seems lost, and Jude almost finds herself giving in to her enemy's demands, but she decides the best thing to do is to slay the serpent, and Cardin rises from the blood of the beast. The war is over! Jude and Cardin won, and they get there happily ever after with a coronation as husband and wife. And tail. The end. Why'd you have to add the tail in there? <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> yeah, he has a tail. Get over it. But it's like you... a whole separate being. It's funny. It's not a separate being. It's part he of him. He acts just... like it. He's like, ooh, it... rubbing her up and down with the tail. It's weird. <laughs> It acts like it because it's it's it, it acts subconsciously of his desires. I'm anyway. just saying he likes a little tail action. <laughs> Sounds like Jude got some tail. <laughs> <laughs> what are we even on? Oh my gosh. Yeah, you like that. What? Honor, what did you think of this book? Oh my god, I'm so glad you asked for our podcast. That's wow. Who knew that wow. was coming? Up? Um <laughs> I love these books but i did not love them while reading them and i will tell you why is this a reread for you this is a reread for me okay um i'm i'm discussing currently the first read through okay because i found this book based off book talk recommendations and i was like that sounds so amazing i want to read them i just finished um a court of thorns and roses which i also thought this was funny that we did the podcast order the same order i read them oh wait that is funny that is, right? Literally a year later. <laughs> Weird timing. So I was like, oh, these are going to be good. Like, it's a face story as well. And I started reading it. And Book Talk hypes up the romance so much that 
they have lost sight about what the books are actually about because the books are not romance books. They're like political fighting spy action books, but they're the romance is a subplot. So mm. I didn't like them at first. It wasn't until the third book that I really started to enjoy Jude as a character so much that it negated the fact of how disappointed I was that the books were not what I was told they would be. It took you a while to come around on Jude? Yeah. Well, I was like really? so annoyed that of what was going on because it wasn't what I thought the book was supposed to be. Interesting. So you went into it with these preconceived notions and you were upset that it wasn't the fantasy that you had built up in your mind. Yes, ma'am. Excellent. Just like, just like me dating boys. <laughs> Stop. That's so funny. I straight up, uh, by the middle of the second book, was not enjoying it so much that I told my friend I would give the books to her. Shout out to Jocelyn. Um, because I just wasn't enjoying them. So I was like, I'm just going to finish them so I at least know how the story ends. And then you get to keep them. <laughs> and then I loved the books and I was like, well, I already said I was giving them to you. So here you go. <laughs> At least you didn't go back on that. Exactly. Very fey of you, I, Honor. Very fey. I, well, honestly, I did it because I bought the hard cover of the How the King of Elfheim Came to Hate Stories uh. or whatever the title is. Um, mm-hmm. And I had paperbacks of the other three and they didn't match. So I was like, this is a good excuse for me to get the hardbacks of the other three and not feel guilty. <laughs> so true, Bestie. So true. So true. Um, so now I have a matching set. <laughs> um, but the second read through, I really knew kind of what was coming and what the book was really based about. And so I got a better understanding of how everything was building up and why the story focused on the things that it focused on rather than on the romance. And so I enjoyed it so much more because I wasn't led to believe it was something that it wasn't. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. have those preconceived notions anymore. Interesting. Okay. What did you think of it, Bestie? This is your first read through, correct? This is this is my first read through. Like you, I've seen a lot of this book on Book Talk. Jude is a favorite of many people. So is Cardin. I really enjoyed this read through because you, I would like tell you <laughs> before I read this, I would send you like TikToks about it. And I'm like, oh, this is really getting me excited to read this. I'm really excited to get into this world. It sounds so fun. The romance sounds amazing. And you were cautioning me. You were like, don't build it up to something that it's not going to be. And I I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a good mix of romance and plot. I thought the plot, because it didn't rely on the romance to make the fucking story. And I think the plot of The Cruel Prince is what Akatar wanted to be because it's this big and epic war and there's romance and it just, Akatar just wasn't there. It relied too heavily on the characters to pad out what the plot needed, but this relies on the plot and the characters are like the icing and the sprinkles on top. It makes it just I, so much better. I fully agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. This is much more well-rounded in the story and the characters itself because everything is fleshed out and has an understanding on how it is built and how everything works in the world compared to what Akatar had, which was very much character-based, which if that's what you're going for, is good. But if you try to figure out the world and how the magic and everything works in Akatar, you're going to be confused. Like, you're just not. I'm sure if you really sat down and looked at it, there would be a million plot holes. I do not have the time, nor do I have the care to sit down and look at it. Like, on a first pass-through, it definitely holds up. But, like, The Cool Prince definitely 
holds up to scrutiny. And that is so important for me when reading a book. Will it, will it hold up to scrutiny? And I absolutely think that the plot does. I think that the characters do. I think they're very well-rounded. Everything's very well-written. I love the political intrigue because you were worried that I wouldn't like that part, but I, I, I did enjoy that part. I thought it was, as far as political intrigue stories go, I know sometimes they can be a little dense and hard to digest. I like this one. I thought it was easy enough to process. Holly Black does this really interesting thing that I kind of appreciate because sometimes I would not be paying attention just because I'd be like tired or something and I'd be like reading at the end of the day. But when a piece of information is important or it's a callback to like an earlier scene or even a previous book, she will put an excerpt from that previous book referencing exactly what they were talking about. Like something that I totally missed and I don't know how I fucking missed that, uh, but Grimson, who's like the master blacksmith who forged the blood crown, all this other shit. Uh, he gave Cardin a gift at the beginning of book two that later in book three you learn was cursed with a word Grimson could turn the spider into something that would bite him until he died. And Jude uh, recalls a moment when she was in Cardin's rooms and she saw a spider encased in like a glass globe scrabbling to get out. Missed that. But then she recalled it later in Queen of Nothing. And I was like, okay, that happened. I believe you. <laughs> Which like, I, I appreciate that. It makes it, it's, it's a political intrigue story that's easily digestible. I, I like that. Yeah, I think I was very much projecting onto you about a lot of that because I was like, oh, I couldn't get into the political intrigue and everything because I was so upset that the romance wasn't there. So I was like, don't get into that. <laughs> so I kind of threw that on you a lot. Um, I apologize about that one. <laughs> no, I totally understand because I feel like book talk also, they act like it's the only part of the story, but it's absolutely not. So I can definitely see how that false narrative was constructed in your mind. Something that I did notice was a line that Book Talk often likes to attribute to Cardin, which is when Jude is seeing Locke in book one, Locke takes her to a garden party and she sees Cardin there. And while she's kissing Locke, she's looking at Cardin. Later in Queen of Nothing, Jude is having a nightmare sequence where Locke is like, oh, she kissed me. And Cardin replies to him, she was kissing you, but she was looking at me. Everyone attributes that to Cardin, but it's not true. It's a figment of Jude's guilty imagination. Okay, but technically, like, a version of Cardin said it. <laughs> okay, but it wasn't him. Jude said that to herself, if we're being real. As Cardin points out no, later in that dream, Jude was but like, I, I know. <laughs> Jude said, I'm so down bad right now. I don't even want to admit it to myself. I'm going to create a figment of my fake husband to tell it to me for him because I don't want to tell it to myself okay let's be real Cardin does not know how to use his words in a loving manner <laughs> okay but can you blame him she really does have to kind of no I can't she really <laughs> does have to kind of make it for him so that's fair <laughs> literally he insults her and he's like oh my god I did such a good job being nice to her today <laughs> he's like I had three backhanded compliments I'm so and she, nice. And she's standing over there getting slowly more insecure and like, fuck him. <laughs> no, it's so funny because for someone who grew up around fairies, Jude is very wary of lies and like double, uh, double-edged truths, I guess, if you want to put it at that, because uh, a main plot point is fairies can't lie. So she's very used mm -hmm. to the 
duplicitous nature of the way that they speak, but she is so bad at interpreting that when it comes to herself. Jude is a terrible spy. And we talked about this. She wanted to be a knight. She wanted to hit, she wanted to hit things with her sword until the problem went away. Not a good spy. She has anger issues, but she works them out in a healthy coping way until she becomes a spy. <laughs> Daddy issues do not a good spy make. <laughs> no, they do not. Especially when your daddy is the one that you're against. <laughs> She's like, damn, Maddox like killed my mom and my dad. I guess I kind of love him because I see myself as the monster that he is because he raised me. Anyway... <laughs> The trauma that these characters have from their childhoods is so much. Mm-hmm. Like, Jude with the whole, like, I see myself in him because I see how monstrous he is and I see how monstrous I am. And then you've got Vivi that's just over there like, this is not the world that I grew up in, this is not the world I want, but I'm trapped here and I'm going to do my best to, like, daydream about everything that I have been taken from. And mm-hmm. keep as much of it close to my heart as possible. You've got Cardin, who's over here like, I have never seen true love because everything, a little bit of love that's given to me is given through forms of anger and abuse. And so that's how I view love to be. Cardin was severely <laughs> neglected and he has major oh. abandonment issues for sure. Uh, something if you, if you if you read the King of Elfheim like side story, it, it it's so much more heartbreaking. I have heard really mixed reviews about that. I like it, but I feel like that's mostly because it's literally, it's just a beautiful book. There's so much like gorgeous artwork um, and everything, but we're not talking about that. But th- there is a little bit of lack to the story of it. So I thought it was good. It's a good side story. I do like that because I I feel like these characters aren't quite done yet, if that makes sense. Because where the Queen of Nothing ended, Maddox was exiled to the mortal realm. Vivi was like, this is so fun. Vivi's still falling in love with Heather all over again, who was her mortal girlfriend who she brought to Fairy. But then Heather kind of regretted it. fucking mind. Well, then Heather was like, I actually regret uh, asking you to wipe my mind, but you already made the deal, so you can't take it back. So then Vivi has to go on a quest to regain her love. And if Heather falls in love with her again, then all the memories will come back. It's very romantic, which I think would make an excellent side Mm -hmm. story. Um, mm-hmm. the representation is so much better than Akatar did. Oh my god, it's just like casual. That difficult, literally. It's just there. It it exists. Because no, like within within the first ten chapters of the first book, Vivi has a girlfriend, and it's like not even a big deal. And it's like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Even though the story does take place in our world, I don't want homophobia in my high fantasy novels. <laughs> hmm. Yep. I did see a very hot take on TikTok and it was the audio where it's like, thank you for coming to my TED talk. I think I sent this one to you. Mm-hmm. And the take was Cardin is genuinely toxic and I'm concerned for everyone who's legitimately in love with him. I don't agree with that take. Do you want to discuss that with me? Okay. I will discuss that with you. Give me, give me your reasons here. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make an appeal to you as someone who has self you you have told me, you you have told me, I know that I have toxic traits. Quote Honor Barrett. You Ouch. said that to me. Ouch. I mean, you said that to me. We could cut it out. We don't have to keep that in. But 
Just tell the whole world, man. <laughs> but I know that I'm a little bit toxic too. I'm a little bit toxic. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's bad traits in everyone. It's just, it, that's the part of life. It's how you work against it. And no, absolutely. That makes the difference. Which is the point that I'm trying to make. Because we see Cardin's childhood. He was mm-hmm. suckled from a cat because his mother was too busy fucking partying. And whenever his mother did pay attention to him, mm-hmm. uh, it was to tell him, take what you want, do whatever you want. You don't have to be refined or generous or kind to anyone. The only attention he got was when he was being cruel, which is why he did that. He had a, a bad home life is an understatement for what happened to Cardin. And the interesting thing about the, the side story is it's very much about his like childhood and him growing up and it features some of the other characters and things that have happened. But it highlights so much about how when he had negative behavior, that was when he got his attention. That was the only way he got it. He's a little attention seeker. Is that absolutely toxic? Yes. But by the third book, he's not all the way there yet. But he is trying and he is making an effort to acknowledge his toxic behaviors and change. He's talking with Taryn about the mortal world. He visits with Jude to see Vivi and... Mm -hmm. He doesn't even insult the mortal world while he's there. He's just kind of like, wow, this is fun. This is cool. He's literally vibing. He's like, this is a part of you and I love it. Yeah. And he confronts those toxic behaviors within himself and he learns to grow past them. So I don't think that Cardin is a toxic character, period. I think he is a character who has toxic beginnings, but he undergoes this wonderful character arc where he learns how to grow past that. And it's okay if you're in love with him because- because uh-huh it's okay because maybe when he's mean it's a little sexy yeah do you like the degradation kink no but i'm just saying <laughs> yeah sure you take I... your time accepting it bestie you take your time accepting it <laughs> he is someone who doesn't believe that he's worthy of love which is probably why he reacts to jude in the way that he does because you later learn that he was sending her letters where uh, he's like, hey, Jude, that was pretty crazy. You can come back now. And then he's like... Yes, this is when she was exiled. Yeah, when she was when she was exiled, he sends her these letters. And then he's like, hey, was it something I said? Please come back. My favorite part was when he puts in the PS, he's like, um, please come be mad at me at a closer distance. Yeah. That broke me. I was like, uh, ooh. I would argue, okay, Cardin mm-hmm. is very much toxic at the beginning, but I, I think that comes from the fact that he's his childhood, he's surrounded by toxic people, and he has never been shown a way to not be that. Mm-hmm. When he is shown, he grows from that, and I think you're right that he does show all of the signs of working to kind of reverse that. Um, I agree. I think Jude's the toxic one. That's a hot take. Do elaborate. That's a hot take. Because um, she very much uses Cardin. Even Hmm. after kind of falling for him, she uses him to get what she wants. um, To, for example, she literally kidnaps him against his will. Kisses him while he's tied up in a chair. She, yeah, consent. He does. Well, he did ask for it. He did, but also, yeah, that one's not really the biggest. That's neither here nor there. But, but she very much like even when he offers 
to marry her, she does not marry him for a reason of love or caring for him. She marries him because she wants to be queen and that gets her a higher level than before. She does not trust him, which is fair for how he's treated her in the past. But, for example, when they went to El uh, to the human world, she was constantly on and watching and, and making sure he was behaving correctly for what she believed he needed to do. Um, and then there's the whole year of him being under her control and her making him do things that he didn't necessarily want to do. And when he asked, he said, I would listen to you. I just ask that you give me the freedom to choose to do so. She wouldn't do it. She's mm -hmm. toxic. Though that again opens up the dialogue of how your childhood trauma impacts your toxic behaviors and how you Jude, need to learn and grow and move past that. Jude's comes from, she does not trust anyone because everyone she has trusted has betrayed her. The most recent being like Locke and Taryn. Jude and Cardin definitely bond over abandonment issues, but I do think where Jude has some repressed feelings that Cardin does not is that she has these moments in her life that are like poor memories where she feels powerless and being in close proximity to power, gaining that power for herself gives her this high, like no fucking other. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yes, I want power. Control issues. <laughs> no, she absolutely has control issues or rather lack thereof control issues because there was this chapter in the, in the first book where Jude is like, I'm telling the story all wrong. And it was really interesting. And I was like, this is really weird because it kind of broke from the narrative structure and she addressed the audience. She broke the fourth wall. And mm -hmm. I almost overlooked this chapter, but then I would find myself like thinking back to it. And it recounts three moments in her life that she has never told anyone about where she feels completely and utterly powerless. And I think that is why she does everything that she does. Toxic traits and all. Jude wants nothing more than to get power for herself. And if she uses people for that, then that's what she does. And it's a toxic behavior. Yeah, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just no. saying she, she's doing it, you know? That's another reason why I feel like there's still more story to be told in this universe. Because I don't think Jude ever fully confronted her feeling of being powerless. She just accumulated so much fucking power that it didn't matter because she never had to confront it. She had power before she felt the need to confront it. I think I think some of that confrontation did come about. I don't think it came to the full extent that it was needed. I think it came with her um her going against Maddox so much. And I think it came with her trusting herself in that killing the serpent was the right thing to do. Because mm -hmm. I think there was so much fear and lack of control that she was having in that moment that forced her to kind of confront those, whether it was subconscious or not, that she, she did confront and it turned out for the better. And I think that helped her. But I agree. I don't think we fully saw the growth that is going to be there for the characters in the future. Is this series ongoing? Is there going to be a thing where there's like a secondary trilogy? Do you know? I believe it is finished, but we can can check. That's also very interesting to me because usually stories where a mortal falls in love with a fae, it rounds off their romance by making the mortal become fae. Okay, they have lines in the book where if you stay in Elfheim, you do not age. Yes. So I think there would become a certain point that if she left Elfheim, she would disintegrate to like ash because she'd 
died mm-hmm. in the human world, but she could if she stays, she lives because there was the who was it? There was there was there was one that was there that was human, but he had been there for hundreds of years or something. Oh, Valmoran. Valmoran, yes. Um, so that was the that was the king's former seneschal. That's right. I think I think that's correct. Is that correct? Was that correct? Was he human? No, I do remember what you're talking about because it was like a line at the end of the Queen of Nothing where it was like, oh, if I were to leave, then I would like show my years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was like a certain point where she would need to stay. But I feel like that, again, that's a thing that Jude wouldn't like because that's a thing that has power over her. She wouldn't be able to go where she likes. And if this universe continues, I'm going to propose a theory that it won't be Jude becoming Faye, but rather Cardin becoming mortal. I could see that. Can't you see that? I, I think he would prefer that in a way. Because I, I do, because once Oak would become of age, Cardin would step down, give the crown to him, and retire with Jude to the mortal realm. Well, there is no real crown anymore. Well, okay, well, the crown as a concept. <laughs> He's going to give the throne. The throne, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, so it looks like that is finished at three books. Um, currently, there is nothing set for a future book, so... Eh. well who can say if she ever chooses to come back to this that's my proposition for what happens one thing that i like that this book did that a lot of other fairy love stories don't do was that they made them like the ages that they're supposed to be and not the ages that they look like right no like jude is 17 Cardin's like 18 19 and it's like thank you for making this age appropriate and not a 500 year old in a 19 year old's body because that's creepy no it's literally so creepy when they do that but they didn't do that in this book so Good on you, Holly Black, for not fucking succumbing to that. Another thing that's better than Akatar. What? 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 You want me to add another to the list? What? <laughs> what? No, I like the way that the sex scenes were written in this book. I think they were tastefully written with a lot of emphasis on the emotional feelings. And and, and the tale. Yes, honor and the tale. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're really on that one. It's funny. It, it, it is very funny. But <laughs> I like the way that they were written, especially because Jude turns 18 at some point. But like, I believe in the first two books, she's still 17. So good for you for not making it explicit. Because that's another thing that Akatar does that they make it weird with. But what do I know? Well, nothing, obviously. I mean, why are you like a reader? It's nothing that I know. It's just a lot of opinions that I have. <laughs> a person with morals? <laughs> what? <laughs> So I already explained that I thought the book was a little bit overrated based off what TikTok was saying it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. What did you think? Was it overrated, underrated based off BookTok's explanation? I feel like BookTok grossly misrepresented what it is, but I don't think it's overhyped. I think it's perfectly well hyped. It's just not might be what you're looking for if you're basing all your opinions off BookTok. But I thought it was a wonderfully written story. Like, yes, the romance elements were there, but it holds up on its own, even without consistent romance in your face. And I think that's very important. I agree. Good explanation. Do you think that the characters themselves stood out to you in any way? Because a lot of people, I feel, really connect with Jude because of how strong of a feminine character she is. She's totally a strong female character, yes. How did how did you feel about the connection your connection with the characters and their personalities? I let's see. I'm no simp. First of all, let me just put that out there. 
but I enjoyed Juden and Cardin's dynamic together and I enjoyed them separately as well because again they can stand on their own without the romance needing to pad who they are as people mm-hmm. they're very important characteristic I think that what makes Jude stand out to a lot of people is her resilience because Jude consistently gets knocked back down both like emotionally and physically uh, but she always gets back up again and she always has a plan and she's always thinking on her feet and her weaknesses is that she's a little dense sometimes in terms of like spycraft and wordplay. But who isn't, you know? My my favorite is when she fully was in the human world and she's like, oh, I figured this out. The, or he, the way he worded this, like, I can excuse myself. And then she was like, no, he's not that smart. No, right? Like, you dumbass. <laughs> Girl, even if he wasn't that smart, he still worded it that way. You could come back. Like, literally. And she was no, like, right. I'm trapped here forever. Life is horrible. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> Another thing that people probably really like about Jude is she constantly adapts and makes the best out of any situation, even if it is like a shitty situation. Because yes, it sucks that her parents were murdered in front of her when she was seven and she was taken away to this world that soon becomes all she's ever known. And she can't go back home, air quotations around home, if she really wanted to because that's not where she belongs anymore. A big part of her character arc is coming to terms with, I do not belong there anymore, but I'm going to make the best out of my new home. And if they try and, it's like that saying, a child will burn down a village to feel its warmth. And that's where Jude and Cardin come together. And I also think it's what makes Jude such an amazing character because she is unafraid of scorched fucking earth. I agree. She, if you're like in an emergency situation, she is the one you want to be helping you out because she keeps such a calm level head for the most part through all of those situations, especially it seems if it seems dire and there's no like way out. She's like, aha, yes, there is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. she's like I'll figure it out later but we'll figure it out Uh uh-huh yeah and I think what made her and Cardin just such a formidable partnership is that they were both willing to go that far Mm -hmm. and there's something about characters that are extremely cutthroat and willing to leave everything behind that is so admirable because I think it's something that while a lot of us have been through some shit that has changed us personally there is power and being able to liberate yourself by burning all your bridges like that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there's power in it because it's not an easy thing to do. And I feel like maybe people project onto Jude and wish, I I wish I could do that, you know? I wish I could burn all my bridges like that. I wish I could come to terms with the monster inside me and embrace it in its best parts. And then have other people embrace it. And love you for it. Good, yep. And see the good more than the bad. Yep. Mm -hmm. Speaking of connections, though, let's talk about Jude and Taryn, because they are okay. essentially from the outside, the same person. They're twins. They grew up in this same environment, you know, with the same interactions with all of these other fae. But they came out of it as completely, out of, out of the experience as completely different people. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that. Jude is very much, like, cutthroat, gung-ho, gonna get done what needs to get done. Versus Taryn, um, and Jude's very much more upfront with it, versus Taryn is 
a lot more understated, but she still has some of those same qualities. She's not going to right out of the bush come after you, but if you push her, she will do what needs to be done. Like Locke. Like Locke. Jude may be cutthroat in general, but Taryn was literally cutthroat in that moment. (laughs) Yes, she was. She was like, Um, he was just like telling me that I had no story in me left anymore. And so I just stabbed him in the neck. And I was like, isn't that fun? Isn't that interesting? What a good story. And he's like, eh. (laughs) Because I feel like in relation to Taryn and Jude and mommy and daddy issues, I feel like, well, Jude definitely had daddy issues. Taryn picked a parent. Well, they both picked a parent to latch on to and they stuck with them and they vied for their approval. From the flashback sequence in the prologue of book two, we know that Taryn was never particularly gifted at swordplay. So in order to find approval from one parent, she had to switch what she was going to be cutthroat at. She said, okay, if I can't be cutthroat in violence, like dad, I'm going to be cutthroat in court politics, like mom. And so she refines herself and that's how she gains agency. That's how she gains power and does not make her weak. But it does. It's just it's just different. No, Taryn's incredibly strong. And is she a bitch about it sometimes? Yes, but so is Jude. Yeah. So underhandedly more than Jude is. Jude's like upfront and and Taryn's much more underhanded. But I think that comes from the court politics. You're taught to be underhanded with the way that you do things. Absolutely. But the interesting thing to me is they both very much judged the other for that Mm -hmm. when they were doing the exact same thing they are the same in more ways than one Mm -hmm. and even though they kind of like hated each other for it they hated each other for it just a little bit uh they got over it eventually because they're sisters and they're always gonna like come back around to each other you know now did you like taryn that's my question did you like taryn did you like dude what was what was who did you what was going on I think I liked, I liked Jude more, but I feel like I just, I can't bring myself to hate Taryn because she did what she had to do. And she, even in, because the whole thing with Locke, Locke was two-timing them. And usually I never blame the the other woman if they know that he's like in a relationship, but technically Taryn was there first. Jude didn't know. Taryn couldn't tell her because Locke was like, if you truly want to fit in, then you can't tell anyone about us. And I knew from the moment where Taryn was like, what are you doing with Locke? I was like, oh, so that's like the mystery guy in her life. For sure. I feel like Locke is the kind of guy to be like, I don't know. I just don't support that lifestyle. And then ask his girlfriend to have a threesome with a woman. That is Locke's character to a T, I feel like. Locke is a douche. (laughs) Locke fucking sucks. Fuck Locke. But uh, back on the task at hand, um, I don't hate Taryn. I think there were moments where I was like, come the fuck on, dude. Like, can we work together just this once? But I think Taryn had enough redeeming moments where she didn't fuck over Jude that I don't hate her as much as I potentially could. I dislike her. I don't hate her. But I have two specific moments that bother me about her character. Mm -hmm. The first was after the whole fight with everything that happened between her, Locke, and Jude. She still chose Locke. Mm. That was fucked up. First of all, because he was playing you and your sister, because you know what he was like, seeing everything that he's done. And your sister has always been there for you, no matter Mm -hmm. what. She has done her best to help you, protect you. Maybe you don't want that. Okay. But then tell her that. Don't just go back to, like, the bad situation. 
But after that, I was like, okay, whatever. You know, that's her choice, her life. The second time that really pissed me off was after she killed Locke, rather than face her own consequences, she was ready to kind of throw Jude under the bus. And she said, Jude, you can just go and deal with all of the consequences of my actions because, well, you can lie because you weren't the one that did it, but you look like me, so they'll think it was you, me talking to them. Mm. Okay. So she used her underhanded political, you know, things that she was brought up and raised about to use Jude to get herself out of trouble for an action that she created. That's definitely fair. She relied on Jude a lot to take her out of the consequences of her own actions. Almost every single time. Anytime there was a consequence, she would throw it on Jude. To the Taryn choosing Locke thing... I would like to just propose the idea mm-hmm. that maybe Taryn thought that a better opportunity wasn't going to come along. And so instead of withering away in Elfheim in her old age, she wanted to take the chance that she had because she knew that her sister would always come around, which she did, rather than wait for another fairy boy to fall in love with her or quote unquote love, because I do not believe that Locke loved her. I um, and give her a life that she wanted which okay another thing where I don't think that the story is quite done being told yet the ghost was looking at Taryn Mm -hmm. at the end of the third book and I'm like okay you know what that look means that dude I I kind of hope for them they'd be so good together and she knows his true name which could be really sexy right oh okay um yeah I agree with that one um I agree I think she very much ended up choosing Locke because he was what she viewed to be the best choice for what she had available. And she might have convinced herself that it was the only choice. Right. Even though and it wasn't so true. That part stopped bugging me less. Um, it was just the fact that she did it in the first place that, that bothered me. Mm-hmm. But the understanding of it, I I accept and appreciate to a, to a point. It was It was also an option for her to go back to the human world, which she didn't choose at all, where there were many more prospects for herself. But again, that takes her out of what she knows. That takes her out of the the line of, like, commander succession up the world that she's in. Mm-hmm. So, there, yeah, there's, there's give and takes to everything. I feel like what really would have made Taryn irredeemable in my eyes, there was a moment at the end of the first book where they were, like, throwing the blood crown around because, first of all, the ghost threw the crown to Taryn because he thought she was Jude. And then she, like, picks it up and she's like, what do I do with this? And Balkan's like, oh, give it to me. And Jude's like, give it to Oak. Like, give it to him. <laughs> and then uh, Taryn has this moment where she's like, uh, and then she gives it to Oak. If she hadn't given it to Oak, I would have been like, fuck you. Right? But she made the right call on that at the end. almost always come through at the end. It was always the middle parts that were like, girl. If you don't get your shit together. (laughs) Right? Right? I was like, I know Jude won't come at you, but I will. (laughs) Jude won't give you these hands, but you can catch mine. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Jude almost gave her hands. Jude would have fucking demolished she her basically in sword play. did but she was like sort and then and then vivi was like uh no and jude's like just give me one shot that's all i need <laughs> one swing <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Vivi's like, how about we calm down? <laughs> Is there anything happening with the Cruel Prince by way of TV adaptations? Not that I am aware of. But I would love it if they did. I think this could be a really fun thing to, especially creating the scenery and the character designs for, could be really cool. I just think that the costume design alone would be, you know, I feel like Uh it would be so incredible. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything about it. I'm I'm like Googling right now and there's a page that that says Timothy Chalamet is card in Greenbrier in 2021. They would cast Timothy Chalamet, wouldn't they? They would try, yeah. They would fucking try. Uh, I mean, that's if annoying. You give, if you give him some eyeliner, he is the tall scrawny boy with black hair, so... It Just slap look. a tail on that boy, you know? Slap a, ta- slap a tail on him. <laughs> I think he could fit as Cardin. I don't know that he'd be my first choice. I would have to see it in action, but... Fair enough. Cardin is so emo. He's literally so emo. He If, if Cardin Greenbrier came out in 2012 or 2013. I say Cardin Greenbrier coming out like, congratulations, but no. <laughs> I meant like if the books, if the books came out in like 2012 or 2013, the grip he would have had on Tumblr.com. People would have been like, oh, my little tail boy, woo, so soft cinnamon roll. <laughs> there would have been like fan art, the Cardin Kinneys. The fan fiction though. Oh, oh my god. god. Carded kitties? Oh god. <laughs> Can we just take a moment to thank god that The Cruel Prince did not come out in 2012-2013? Because I do not think I would have survived 2012 Tumblr if Carden Greenbrier was in it. That would have been a time. Wouldn't that... it have been? Oh, I I cannot. I just know there would have been like like in the bad timeline as if this isn't already the bad timeline, but in a timeline more doomed than this, there's dark Tumblr forums where there's like the cruel prince kin drama. And it's like, I'm Cardin and you can't, no duplicates because I'm the only Cardin. And there's probably like Balekin kinnies that are probably like, stop. (laughs) Stop attacking me for who I kid. Because of course, if, if you are listening to this and you are younger and you like know about like kin's, from TikTok, kins on TikTok and kins on Tumblr were not the same thing. No. So just like take that with a grain of salt as we make fun of this, because it's much more tame now than it was. Like back then, kids were eating their mother's fucking diamond rings because they thought they were dragons. <laughs> so this is what we mean when we say other kin drama. Can you imagine having to be one of those Tumblr kids now? And people are like, oh, what kind of Tumblr face did you have? And they're like, uh... <laughs> girl i was super hulak so like i'm almost there with you <laughs> oh you were super hulak i wasn't super hulak i didn't have tumblr but i feel like if i did i would have been right there with super hulak because that i was in that whole phase oh yeah then you would have been uh-huh i was on the outskirts of it but i was i was there <laughs> i was also a homestuck but we're not going to talk about that let's bring it back to the book <laughs> tiktok we can just have like the a The amount of podcast. people who would have called Cardin daddy. No, I don't think he would have been daddy. I think he would, you know, like that one chart that they had where it was like, it looks like a cinnamon roll, could kill you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looks like they could kill you is actually a cinnamon roll. Yeah. What would they? Cinnamon roll is a cinnamon roll. And then they would have, they would have Cardin in the quadrant of, looks like he could kill you is a cinnamon roll. Cardin is a cinnamon roll. 
exactly what I was going to say. He he literally is, though, because he, he just, like, he splays around and looks so badass and cool. I say it's the eyeliner. But in reality, like, mm-hmm. he just is really lazy. He doesn't want to have to deal with all of this. No, <laughs> which, like, like can someone pour me another glass of wine, please? <laughs> yeah, change my mind. Cardin has a wardrobe in the mortal world, and in that wardrobe, there's a shirt that says Rose all day. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Because he totally has that. He totally would. I feel like he would have ripped skinny jeans, too. Is that just me? Oh, he would definitely have ripped skinny jeans, which is why he would have had a death grip on Tumblr if he was right? around in that era. All right, let's get into ratings. Chloe, how would you rate this series? I would rate this series four stars to 4.25. Good choice, good choice. Where's it losing points for you? Sometimes I just go based off vibes. No, I know exactly where it loses points, actually, because I was thinking about this this morning. And the thing that got me about this book series was that it was a little predictable. Mm -hmm. I feel like there were plot beats that I expected to happen, and they did, and nothing really made me go, except for in Queen of Nothing, when Taryn was like, Locke is dead. And then she was like, and I killed him. And I was like, oh my god, that's crazy. And shit there was one other moment I'll let you know if I remember it but I can't remember it that made me like gas like oh my god this is crazy but I even expected Cardin to come out of the snake and it's like out of blood because there was this ill prophecy early no literally like there was this ill-fated prophecy over Cardin's star chart or whatever and it's like only out of blood will a greater ruler rise or something and Mm -hmm. I'm like so obviously you have to kill him and then he will like be okay and she's like, I can't figure it out. Like, girl, just, like, read, like... Then again, are we surprised with her? No. Are we surprised like, that she couldn't figure it out? She's literally like, oh, I figured out I can come home based off my own excusing of my sins. Uh, but no, that's not, that's not how that was said. That can't be right. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, it was. Uh, what a good spy she made. What a good spy literally, she Literally, I don't think she managed to get through one assignment correctly. Like every yeah, she always was, like, on some bullshit. She, like, stole a book from Cardin just because she wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's so funny. But, yeah, uh, 4 to 4.25, just because I felt it was a little predictable, and I would have appreciated some more gasp-worthy moments. But I think that it gained a lot of points, uh, and the plot was very well thought through. It held me. Like, the plot held me. I just saw it coming. But it was interesting enough to sustain, so good on the books for that. Um, and the characters. I thought the characters were enjoyable, and I really enjoyed their dynamics together. What would you rate this book? I would rate this book four stars. I agree. It was super predictable. There were a lot of moments where I just got frustrated with the characters. Not just Jude, but, like, all of them. So that was that kind of drew me out a little bit, because I wanted to, like, literally just smack them, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, Jude and Cardin, just Jude and Cardin, solid 4.5. Just them. Rate the couple. Just, just them, 4.5. We should really come up with a better, yeah. like, rating scale. No, we need an actual rating scale because this is ridiculous. No, I have, like, some ideas in my head bouncing around that we can, like, tally up the stars and then average them. Okay. And then, then we have, like, an unbiased... Well, it's not. it is biased because it is inherently an opinion. But then we'd get, like, an unbiased... But it'd be, like, it'd be in a better order. Because, like, there's other books that we've rated four stars that I've enjoyed less than this book. But mm. but they're both four stars. You know what I mean? I don't know how to... Based on vibes? It's, just, it's, it's hard it's with vibes. 
I I liked reading this book. I thought I kept my attention pretty well. It gets better per book. Like the last book was far more enjoyable to me than the first one was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because the first one's just dragged so down so much with like just politics of the world. I didn't mind the politics personally. I don't always mind them if it's actually useful in that moment, but it wasn't in that moment. Like mm-hmm. it could have waited a little bit. I guess that's fair. Like. Yeah. Just the world building got you. Yeah. Which usually doesn't. So surprising. I would recommend this book to any young young adults. Um, I feel like it's a good book. I feel like anyone that is not looking for romance specific books, because if you're looking romance specifically, you don't want this one. (laughs) Yeah. Read this book if you don't mind. They're cute, but it's not focused on that. Read this book if you don't mind political intrigue, uh, lots of drama, lots of bloodshed. If you want a strong female character, you'll love Jude. This is the book for you, if you like strong female characters. Uh, this is not enemies to lovers, but it is bullies to lovers, and I will die on that. It is. It is bullies it, to lovers. Everyone said it was enemies to lovers, and I was like, eh. The, the power dynamic was kind of one-sided. The pawn scene, and I was like, where? Bitch, where? <laughs> yeah, he was just being mean in that one. But yeah, absolute bullies to lovers uh, and strong female characters. If that's the kind of things you like in books, go ahead, give it a read. Give it a read. All right. We upload episodes bi-weekly. That is once every other week, not twice a week. If we did because it. Because that's too much reading for Chloe. <laughs> okay, I don't know why it's just for me. Like, I feel like you'd also have a really hard time, and I'm just, like, feeling really attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I mean, that was funny. <laughs> um, we do have other social media accounts, all at the handle at Young Adult Adult Reviews. We have an Instagram, a TikTok, and a YouTube, as well as Goodreads, so go ahead and check those out. And give us a follow and a like if you like what we're putting out. If you enjoy what we're putting out, go ahead and drop suggestions for other books for us to review on our podcast. We have gotten quite a few. We're very excited. We're lining them up in our upcoming reviews. So keep it coming. In fact, I believe next episode even, we are reviewing a suggestion from one of our listeners, which is so exciting. We are! Shout out to Stanky Dog. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you to everyone else who also listens to our podcast. But especially Stanky Dog for user engagement. They have commented on a couple of the the Q&As for suggestions. So it's very exciting to us. Thank you so much for listening. That is a wrap. That's such a great time.